0: Alright, so welcome to part two of our series called Connect and Tell. Some of you, if you are here last week, I began, last Sunday was our first Sunday of the year. So I began to share with you kind of what I, what I want to kind of focus on in 2020. Some of the vision that God has really laid on my heart is that we would be a church that would really focus on these two words called Connect and Tell. My goal is that our church would become very effective at doing what God has called us to do in Acts 1 verse 8. So today, as I mentioned earlier, I want to also talk about covenant church membership and what that means and how that will play out in this church. But I also want to talk about how covenant membership actually is connected to us being a faithful witness. I want to talk about that today, and I want to talk about how we become a better and a more effective witness. So I think... um, So being a witness is part of what Jesus has called us to do. In Acts 1 verse 8, he instructs us to uh, do I have that scripture yeah in Acts 1 verse 8 he has actually called us to be his witness and I think sometimes when we hear that be his witness that kind of stirs up in us a little anxiety sometimes okay we got to do this we have to be a witness and we get a we can get a little anxious about what that actually is all about and I think part of why I want to talk about church membership is church membership can actually be a catalyst to help us become a better witness Because what it does is it helps prepare us. It helps equip us to do what God has actually called us to do. And I realize that, you know, people write books about church membership, long books, big sermon series. You are like, how are you going to do that in this little time period? So I'm just going to talk about part of what church membership is about. And mainly what I want to talk about is how church membership actually benefits you and I the benefits that we receive as being part of church membership. So we'll focus on today of you know, what is church membership? What is the biblical support for and why is it beneficial to us? And, you know, then afterwards we'll just go upstairs in the classroom, people that are interested and just talk for, you know, a few minutes more. And I have some paperwork here on kind of the information about what is our church membership about. And if you actually go to our website, all that information is actually there. If you want to look it over at your leisure at home. And again, I know some of you are like, I'm not familiar with church membership. And that will be just a good opportunity for you to look at. On our on the bulletin that Sam gave you, there is actually a link to our website if you're like, I don't even know where your website is, that will kind of take you there and kind of answer some questions for you. So that is kind of what we're going to do today. As you know, as I said, our theme for this year is really focusing on connecting and telling, preparing us to be the witness that Jesus has called us to be. In Acts 1, verse 8, we have it on the screen. It says, and these are Jesus' last words. So Jesus' last words, also referred to as his great commission, where he says to his, his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These are Christ's last words, and because they're his last words, we tend to take them a little bit extra serious. This is what he's calling us to do. He's calling us to be a witness. And I think one of our first questions is, okay, what is a witness? I think we are familiar with a witness in a courtroom situation, where a witness would be called in a courtroom, and they're going to give a testimony of what they have seen, and what they have heard, and what they have experienced. And that's what Christ has called us to do as well, to be the witness to tell others what Christ has done, and what we have seen him do, and what we have experienced him to do in our life. And that's simply what God has called each of us to do, is to tell others about how we have experienced Christ in our life. But I think sometimes when we talk about being a witness, our first reaction is, but what if I say the wrong thing? What if I don't know what to say? Or what if I'm talking to somebody and they ask me a question and I don't know how to respond? Or what if I stumble over my words and it just comes out just like clutter? You know, we all get concerned about these things. And well, there's a reason why. We don't want to be wrong. We don't want to misrepresent someone. But goodness, the good news is that Christ knew that we would struggle with those kind of doubts and those kind of insecurities. And that's why he said, you're going to receive my power a part of the plan is for you to be a witness is that you receive my power so that you can do something that you're actually not capable of doing on your own. I'm going to be faithful because I'm calling you to do something and I recognize that you have a limitation. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to enable you to do something that you could never do on your own. And that's how he gives us his power so that we can step back and say, wow, how'd that happen? I must add some power. And that's what Christ wants to do with each of us. To the men working on the O'Day Caloris weekend, you go on that weekend thinking, how do I faithfully serve on this team? How do I give a talk? How do I share the gospel? It's because God says, I'm going to come and I'm going to give you some power. I'm going to give you supernatural strength to do something you could never do on your own. But God also goes farther and he says, I'm also going to give you confidence. I'm going to give you a deep confidence. And, those confi- and confidence, I'm going to talk about two ways that it comes from. The first way that confidence comes in our life is because we know that God knows us well. That gives you confidence that the God who created the heavens and the earth knows you well. In Psalm 139 verse 13, it says, Oh yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. This is a scripture where God says, I knew you before you were born, and I created you to be exactly how you turned out. I created you to specifically be yourself. I created you to be unique. I created you with desires and wants and needs and a personality. I created you with strengths, and I created you with ability. And that's comforting to know that because when we are fully known, we can be fully taken care of. That's the comfort that we get from a God who totally knows us because he knows our needs, he knows our strengths, and he knows our weaknesses. And what God says in Acts 1 verse 8, I will come in and whatever your weaknesses are, I'll exchange it and I'll give you my strength. And I think sometimes what we do is we look at our life and we look at our weaknesses and we think, oh, there's deficiencies. These are things that I have to hide. These are things I wish weren't part of my life. And I think what God looks at our deficiencies and says sometimes those are actually what I'm going to use to help make you relatable to somebody else. That I will give you strength for your weaknesses, but I'm going to use your weaknesses for God's own glory. And that's a powerful thing that God can actually take your weakness and say I'm going to use it for better. And that just gives us confidence to know that no matter what we lack in our life, No matter what might discourage us in our life, we can just have in the confidence that the one who created us is fully aware of every part of our life. And he's not taken back at all by anything in our life, but he's there to always complete our weaknesses, to exchange our weaknesses for his strength. And that brings a lot of comfort. And that's actually part of covenant. That word covenant is all about God, about the gap between your weaknesses and God's purpose that he has for your life. God comes in and he says, I recognize that each of you have a weakness and I, you, you have a purpose that you're trying to fulfill in your life. And through covenant, I'm going to help you achieve the goal that I've created for you. So we'll talk a little bit more about covenant later, but that's where that word comes in. So we have this great confidence knowing that God has created us well, created us unique. And that gives us confidence, but we also give confidence by knowing that we are part of the body of Christ. I want to read this section of Scripture that's kind of our basis and a lot of what we'll talk about today about membership is 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 27. Paul writes, he says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not... Th- I had to start over. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make any, it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye that would make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, Some parts of the body that seem the weakest and the least important are actually the most necessary. That's a good verse. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. See, in the first passage we saw in the book of Psalms is how God created each of us to be very unique to be individuals. Then we see in this passage how God has called us as unique individuals to be part of a corporate body. That God has called us to function together. That God has put us together as one body part of disciples to be an effective witness. See, as we see in the scripture that we are called to do things together. From this terminology and from this verse, we do get the phrase that we are members of the body of Christ. Now, if you pay close attention to Paul's words, you'll notice that he did not say that the church is like a body. He didn't say like a body. He said the church is a body. That's a big distinction, the difference between like a body or is a body. See, in our Western culture, we often think of members or membership as some kind of this exclusive club. A little exclusivity, we think, when we think about the word members or memberships. And we sometimes think of big requirements that may be beyond our ability to maintain or beyond our ability to achieve. So sometimes when church membership is brought up, it's often misunderstood. It's often discounted. Sometimes I think we don't understand what it is really all about. So that's kind of what my purpose for doing the message today. To kind of explain a little bit what it is, what it is not, the benefits for you, but also to encourage you to uh, seek the information on the website or come to the class upstairs, or just continue to talk with us. Talk with me or the other elders of the church to kind of find out more information. So the big question most people have is, why do we have membership? Why do we have covenant membership? Because after all, you are not gonna find a verse in the Bible that explicitly says you must become a church member. That's not written somewhere in scripture. It's not explicitly implied. However, the term is very much implied throughout scripture, and that's kinda what I'm gonna be talking today, about how we take different scriptures to come together with the idea that church membership is biblical. So today, I wanna talk about five benefits of church membership. Five benefits that each of us should experience being part of a church. And also then you'll see kind of the biblical support that supports each one. And that's why we do church membership. So number one, we are all better when we are connected. See, as we saw in that scripture that I read from 1 Corinthians 12, that we are better when we are part of a body. It says the human body has many parts, but then many parts make up one whole body. This is one of our first supports for membership. See, I think one of the questions that we may have with membership is what it is not. First, I want to say that membership is not an indication of someone's spiritual maturity. That people that are members are somehow more spiritual or more godly than the other people in the church. Instead, it is the opposite. See, church membership can actually show our need for more spiritual maturity. It can actually show our need, that we need more spiritual maturity, that we need to be part of a community that is gonna help us grow. And to be part of a community that is helping us to develop. See, church, church membership is more about humility than exclusivity. See, when Paul's talking about the term members, it's actually, I think it's easier to look at it, it's more of like a, like a medical term. He's talking about members as small parts of a bigger body. See, when you think about members as a medical term, you realize that if a member is not connected, you have a very big problem. For example, Paul talks about nose, about toes, or we talk about fingers, different body parts, about fingers or toes or legs. You realize medically that those are really necessary to be connected to the rest of the body. That if you took your leg off, that would not be a good thing. Or if you removed your finger, that would be not a good thing. And so we fight hard to preserve that a body stays intact. We don't just carelessly say, well, I lost an arm, no big deal. No, we fight hard to maintain our arm and we would do whatever is possible to attach our arm if it came off. But I think sometimes in our, in our, our, our culture, in our individualistic culture, in our society, we think it's not really that bad if somebody separates from the group. Or we don't have a problem, if somebody just leaves. We're like, yeah, we can we can make it without them. And I think what Paul's talking about, members of a body saying, no, no. It's a big value when we are connected together. And we should fight hard to keep the body together. No different than I fight hard to keep my legs on my body. It sounds like a little Mr. Potato Head illustration. <laughs> would be good right now. But we do. We fight hard. We don't just randomly say I lose a leg. or No, we fight hard. And I think that's what Paul wants us to see about the body is we want to fight hard to make sure everybody stays intact. And everybody can do what they are called and created to be. In their uniqueness, they can be part of a bigger body. And so we want to fight hard for that in church membership. That's one of, that's one of the, the goals of church membership, is why we are better together, is that we are, we are, we are better when we are connected together. See, the whole word covenant actually implies that I have strengths and I have weaknesses. And I need somebody to help me to overcome my weaknesses and live in my strengths. And we all collectively come as a church together to say we are different people. Some have strengths here. Some have weaknesses here. And how can we work together to be the effective witness that God has called us to be? We don't have to individually do everything our own. But how can collectively we come together See, oftentimes we think of covenant, it is is similar to a contract in some ways. In the Bible, you see that a covenant is an agreement between two people. It's also an agreement that God would make with different individuals. We refer to our salvation as a covenant by God. That God comes into the situation and he says, you want to be saved, you need salvation, but on your own you can never do it. So I'm going to make a covenant with you and I'm going to make up for your deficiencies through Jesus Christ so that you can have a personal relationship with me. And that's how we use the covenant in church term. But when we use it in, in our church membership, what we're saying is we're coming together with different needs and we're going to help each other meet each other's needs or help them meet their weaknesses so we can become what God has called us to be. I'm going to talk about that a little, a little later in the other points, but I want to get out that point about why do we use the word covenant? Because covenant implies that we mutually work together for a common good. And we work together with each other and also with God as our strength so we can become effective witnesses. See, at its core, body parts don't relate to each other randomly. Instead, they are strategically connected together with each other to be dependent upon each other. So that's the first reason that we need to be connected. And the second reason for church membership is that we need to be really intentional. See, it's easy in our society and our culture just to drift through life without being really intentional. Instead, we say, well, I'll just randomly see what happens with my life. And sometimes what we like to do is we try to play it safe. We say, I don't want to take a whole lot of risk, so I don't want to make a whole lot of commitment, and I don't want to put myself out there, so I'm going to kind of play it, stri- play it, play it kind of safe. So we never really get that intentional with our life, and sometimes it falls over into our spirituality. We don't get that intentional about growing in our relationship with God. We kind of settle. I'm a Christian. I know I'm going to heaven. Nah. You don't get real concerned about making sure that you really follow Christ and and really walk that path of sanctification. See, in my perspective, I believe that we all need to be more intentional about our relationship with Christ, and I believe church membership is a good catalyst. Heinine is one of my favorite Hebrew words. I use it at weddings because I think it's a very powerful Hebrew word. Hanine is a response in Hebrew that people would give to God when he called them. And henene is often translated as, here I am. You'll see that in the scripture. When God called Abraham, before he called him to sacrifice Isaac, he called to him and he said the henene and Abraham would respond. And God called him and Abraham responded, here I am. And we know the same time when, right, when Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac. Right before he was about to do it, God called to him and said, hey, Nene. And we also see that God called Jacob when he was dreaming, and he said, hey, Nene. And when God called Samuel, he said the same thing. And these men, you see different men in the Old Testament, they would respond with this word saying, here I am. But see, that word is way more powerful than here I am. We kind of sometimes lose the meaning in the translation. The word actually means I'm all in. It means, God, I'm not exactly sure what you're calling me to do right now, but I'm all in. It's saying, God, I'm not sure what you, what's going to be next, but I know that you are faithful. I know that you are kind. I know that you are compassionate. I know that you love me and that you care for me. You're going to provide for me and you're going to protect me. So when you call me, I might not know exactly what's going to happen, but I can say, yes, I'm all in. And that is a response that we see so often when God calls people, is to say, I'm all in. And I think that's what we need to do even in our relationship with Christ, to be a little bit more serious and to say, I'm all in. I'm not sure where this is gonna lead, but I'm willing to take a few risks because I know God is faithful, he's kind, he's loving, he's gonna protect me, and he's gonna lead me in his faithfulness. So that's why I love that word, because I think it's just a powerful illustration of saying, I'm all in. And that's why I like to use that weddings, because sometimes when you say your vows, you're actually saying, I'm not really sure what's going to happen in this marriage. I know, God, you've called us together. I know you've joined us, but I'm not sure how this is going to play out long term. But I trust that you are faithful, that if you called us together, that you're going to be faithful to lead us as we go down this road of marriage. So I think that's a popular I think that's that's a good way to start a marriage, and I think it's good for us to remain intentional in what God has called us to do. See, covenant membership is not just this commitment to the legal organization of Lake Effect Church. Instead, it's an intentional commitment to your spiritual growth. That's an intentional way of you saying, I want to grow more in my relationship with God, and I want to be more serious about it. See, our desire for covenant church membership in a church is to help us to become more genuine, to become more authentic and sincere with other Christians. Because when we do that, we become stronger and our commitment to Christ and others will grow. That will ultimately cause us to be a better and more effective witness. Is that when we are more genuine, authentic, and sincere. And see, this is the heart of what we want to do. All of what we wanna do with memberships is designed because we want God to be glorified. We want God to look really good. And we wanna be able to give an accurate testimony of what he has done in our life and what he continues to do in our life and what we trust him to do in the future. This is designed to help us to be that faithful witness. But it starts with us saying, hey, I'm all in. So the next point I wanna talk about is that we are better and we are safer when we are identified. So we talked earlier, it's always good to be known. That makes us feel safe. When people know us, they understand us, they accept us, they love us, they encourage us. We like that part of it. That gives us comfort to be around people that know us. And covenant membership is a way in which us individual can announce to the rest of the church that I want to be a committed part of this church. I want to be a committed member of this congregation. And the congregation says, I want to be a committed member to you as well. So it works in two parts. You saying, I want to be a committed member. And other people are acknowledging they want to be committed members to help each other. And then we also say the leadership of the church steps in and says, okay, now that people are identified, I want to love you and protect you and to encourage you as well. So it's a multi-level relationship where people are committing to each other and the leadership is committing to the people in the church. So government membership helps us to know and understand where we all stand. It doesn't make anybody better. It doesn't make anybody more of a Christian or less of a Christian or holier than the other person. Not at all. We're not going to start having two classes of people at Lake Effect Church. We have members and non-members. No, we won't have that at all. We won't even that will not even be part of the culture of the church at all. Instead, the whole goal is to help identify people better, and if people just simply want to attend Lake. Like church week to week, that, that's great too. We just want to make sure that the offer is extended, that people have a way to be identified. See, when Paul tells the elders of the church to take care of their flock, the question comes, okay... See, in Acts 20... And in 1 Peter, let me read Acts 20 first. It says, in Acts 20, verse 28, it says, Pay close, careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So you read that verse, and the first question is, okay, who is the flock? The flock needs to be identified. And then when you go to 1 Peter... verse 2 for 3, it says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So the big question is, who is part of the flock? And church memberships helps us identify who is part of the flock, that who wants to be taken care of by the elders. It's simply a way to identify Once you're identified, it's easier to take care of people. See, I think the culture of the church actually needs to look more like a special education classroom than a general education classroom. Now, I can say that because, you know, I have two kids with special needs, and I can get away with saying stuff like that. But I think the culture that is created in a special needs classroom looks more like what a church culture should look like. And I say that I'm not being disrespectful. I'm not belittling anybody with special needs. I'm not not implying that anybody has disabilities, and that's why I'm calling it, talking about culture. Instead, what I see in the classroom of special education is much more intentional community. Now, there's nothing wrong with general education. That is good. That is great. But I spent a lot of time in special education classrooms, so I know them well. And actually, when we lived in Florida for about four years, I was a leader of a school of 20 children with autism. So I've had my hand in special education quite a bit. And the, one of the things that I like about special education it is that it is intentional community to help a person to be successful. In a special education classroom, there is a big emphasis on understanding what is a person's needs and what is a person's goals and how does a person get there. In special education, you spend a lot of time around identifying what the person actually wants to accomplish in their life and the strategy to get them there. Sometimes what happens in the general education is you might have your goal is to graduate and in order to graduate, you have a certain number of classes to take. But sometimes there's not the emphasis put into that to help. How does that person actually graduate if they struggle in the process? And that's every good educator's goal is to always identify students that might struggle so they can help support them. But what I like about the classroom of special education is that you come in in the beginning and the get-go and say, how can we help this person to be successful? And that's what I think a church needs to do. We need to be like a resource room where a person can come to church and say, this is my strengths, these are my weaknesses, this is what I want to see happen in my life, and we can say as a community, let's come together and help this person to be successful and help them become what God has created them to be. Let's be this open community where we identify with each other and we support each other and love each other and we have intentional community with the goal of helping a person to be successful. That's what I believe that we need to do. See, in special education, we don't even like to use the word disabilities anymore. We like to use the word differences. That all people are a little bit different and that's okay. We don't like to highlight, we don't like to say the word disabilities anymore. Instead, we say people have differences. They have different ways to learn. They have different ways to relate. They have different ways to participate. And they have different ways of achieving their goal. And we say, okay, let's come together and be that supportive environment. That's what the culture of a church should look like. That people don't have to be embarrassed when they come to a church and say, hey, I struggle in this area or I'm not good at this. That they can come and be honest and we can identify other people in the church that say, hey, I can help you in this area. And that's what we want part of church membership is all about. Knowing who says, I want to be part of this. So you say, hey, maybe you could help that person or maybe that person could help you. And at the end of the day, we all want to help each other. That's our goal. That's what we really want to do. We want to create an environment where everyone is able to contribute. Not just a few people, but we all want to contribute. We all want to be able to love, and we all want to be loved effectively. And I think church membership really helps us identify the goal that we want to do. And the fourth reason for church membership is because it does hold the elders and the leadership of the church to a much higher standard. i be honest when I was preparing this message and going through the biblical reasons for church leadership I thought yikes this sets the bar a little higher for me this sets the bar a little higher for our elders that we actually have an additional responsibility that God has placed on us that we have to take real serious see in Hebrews 13 verse 17 it says obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God so I think sometime we look at that verse and we say, obey your spiritual leaders, what does that mean? See, I look at that verse and I say, they are accountable to God. That's 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 God's pretty serious about this. He's really serious about the eldership and the leadership of the church being obedient to what God has called us to do. See, if there's not church membership, there's really not a way to identify anybody that's who's actually part of the flock. kind of reduces my responsibility. But when people actually identify and say i want to be part of this flock i want to be a member that means i have to be much more serious about what i'm doing that means ron is elder ron renzema and dave hovings an elder and lynn snyder we have to be very serious about what god's called us to do this isn't just something you say we'll see how it works out it's very intentional. It has to be very strategic because God wants the best for all of you. And so when he gives leaders, he says, you better do your best as well. So part of this membership process is to make me a better person and to make Ron a better person and Dave a better person, to Lynn a better person and say, we need to live up to higher standards and we have to take that really really serious and that's our commitment and our pledge to you because part of church membership is you're pledging to be part of a church but also the leadership we are pledging to love you and to watch over your souls as the scripture says we are making that commitment and i think sometimes we get a little concerned like obey your spiritual leaders what does that mean does that mean like you get to tell me what to do and not really. I'm not going to tell you what kind of car to buy, or what you need to do on the weekends and like where you go on vacation, but I was talking about, obey your spiritual leaders that you know, we're, we're, gonna, we're going on this adventure to journey together in our, process, in, our, in our process of sanctification, to know the Bible well. And that's what we want to do is we want to present the Bible well to you in the proper interpretation and in the proper understanding, so we teach it to you well. And that's what he's talking about, obey your spiritual leaders. He's talking about in the context of us being biblical and presenting to you a biblical explanation of what is written in the Bible. So the pressure is on us as leaders, too, to, pr- to prove to you that we are capable of doing what God has called us to do. So that's why I'm not expecting people to just randomly say, okay, I'll be a member without even thinking. I want you to take it serious. And to read the information, if you want to have coffee with me or dinner with me or with Ron or Susie or the other leadership couples, if you want to, we invite you to do that. We want to know you because part of membership is that we all know each other and we all work with each other for the common goal of making God look really good. And we want to know if you have a need, if there's a way that we can help you and to encourage you. And the fifth reason is for membership is that it is better when we show love and care. In Galatians 6 verse 10, it says, "Therefore, whoever we ha- Let me start over therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith." See, as Christians, it is our responsibility, and that's our privilege to display the love of God to all people, no matter who they are. If they're part of the church, they're not a part of the church. If they're Christian or non-Christian, we are called to love all people. But there's an extra responsibility that we have to people that are part of the family of faith. There's an extra responsibility that we have. For people that say, I want to be part of this church. See, last week I talked to a young man who told me. I talked to a young guy who told me that when he was young. He told me when he was young. His church failed him. That he was going through a hard season in his life. His family was going through a hard season in their life. And instead of that church surrounding that family and loving them, encouraging them, and doing whatever they could, he told me they failed him. That they failed his family. It hurt him. It hurt his relationship with God. It caused him to go down a path that he never wanted to go down. See, churches can hurt people. And that's sad. None of us wanna do that. We wanna be the church that loves people well. And that we love you if you're going through a hard time or a difficult time. We wanna be leadership that surrounds you well. We want to be the community that surrounds you well at your time of need we want to rejoice with you when things are going well and we want to comfort you when things are difficult we want to be there when you're successful and we want to be there with you when you're not feeling very successful and that's our pledge to you we're taking this very serious i think people say why church membership and i think the most important reason is because we think it's biblical We think this is what God has laid out in scripture is his best plan and his best practice for us that we would become members of a church. And the second big reason I think is so we can be there for each other. So we can support each other when we're going through hard times, when we're going through difficult times. See, covenant membership is simply a way that we are acknowledging our intention to be part of this group and we know to love and protect each other people. That's what we want to do. We want to be a community of people who encourage each other for the purpose of advancing the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That's what we want to do. We want to become what God's created us to be. And we want to be really good at doing what God has created us to be. We want it to be really natural for us to be what God has created us to be. So I encourage you to pray about this process. Some of you are probably like, I didn't know this church membership any of existed before I came today. Pray about it. Think about it. Go to our website. I have the information printed here. We have several packs for families here today. If you want to take one, there should be enough for every one of us. You'll see this on our website too. It's a, the, first, the first document is, what is covenant membership? You can read about that in a page and a half. Second, second document is the nice and easy, okay, what do I got to do to become a covenant membership? What are the expectations here? Third document is the statement of faith. Part of it is, you know, we do have a statement of belief, what we believe here. We want to make that really known, and this, this, this is what we believe, and we would want you to believe this as well, and this helps you understand our theology, or what we sometimes refer to as doctrine, what we, what we believe here. It helps us, this is where we stand. We stand solidly on these beliefs. And some of you might look at this and be like, I don't, I don't even know what that is. Well, great, that's an opportunity yes, for talk about it. Maybe i explain it to you, maybe help you understand that. And this fourth document is kind of, okay, what is your part of this covenant? Covenant's two parts. This is your part, what you're agreeing to. This is part of what I agree to. I'm, I'm becoming a member as well. And this is what I'm going to agree. This is how I'm going to agree to live my life. And then the final document, the, the fifth doc, document, is, is what... What is the elders covenant? What am I agreeing to do? What is Ron and Lynn and Dave agreeing to? This, this is our pledge to you. This is important. I think too many churches kind of go off and say, okay, this is what we expect you to do, but we don't say how we're going to pledge. And this is our pledge to you, our commitment to you. Then the real final document is just the, the application that you'd fill out and say you want to be a member. So that's, what, that's, that's next for like Effect. That's As we enter this new year and this new decade, I believe this is a real strategic part to help us to be effective, to be the church that God has created us to be. So, thank you. I know it's kind of a different kind of a message, a little bit more of a teaching thing, but I hope it answered some of your questions and it is about 11.10 so I think we'll have the worship team come up and they'll lead us in our final songs and at 11.30 if any of you are interested we're going to go upstairs, I can't remember the classroom name offhand but it's actually right above us, it'll have a light on it and we'll just go up there and we'll talk and if any of you have any specific questions I will have the information up there. If you're like, I don't know if I'm ready for that meeting today, I get it. You can come, you can get a packet of information and look at that and take it home or come upstairs to a meeting. It's not you come up to that meeting, you're signing in the dotted line. It's more of a way that we can meet with you and answer any questions or if you're like hey, could we go out to coffee and talk about this more? We'll do that and so, thank you. All right, let me pray before the worship team leads us in one last song. Father, I thank you that you are a God that has a strategic plan to take care of us. That you're a God of intention. And that you're a God who does not make us wander around wondering how is this all going to work together. But you're a God who says, I have a good plan for you. And Lord, we want to be like uh, the characters in the Old Testament and say, I'm all in. God, would you give us the courage to follow you wholeheartedly. And Lord, help us to understand this process of membership. Lord, I know some people might read it and be like, okay, this is good. Some people might be confused here today. I pray, Lord, that you'd help answer those questions. But Lord, we desire to be an effective church. Lord, we thank you that you tell us that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, and we thank you for that. Lord, help us to be effective at reaching the lost, and the hurt, and the marginalized, and the broken, that we would be a church that disciples and disciples well. So Lord, thank you for this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen.